This is but one of a thousand true crimes. a thousand true crimes you are here with joe and chelsea and yes i actually did press the record <laughs> button this time so only one take one take and that is it hey. for tonight if we have to do two we have to do two i'd prefer to do one but Ugh. if we have to do two we could do two <laughs> i can't do two so done none but how are you doing I'm this week good. Uh, spring is i know we're kind coming. of coming spring is coming spring is coming it's north carolina it's east coast weather though it's supposed to be so nice this week and then it drops back down to like cold weather. yeah it's the pre-spring like i tell everyone who is like new to town you'll you'll know when the real spring is here when there's yellow air <laughs> i do not want that it's coming girl. i'm allergic to yellow air it's coming, girl. I... aren't we all everybody is you know what kills me is when people are like, mm. I have a pollen allergy. It's like, we all fucking do. We are all suffering. <laughs> I know. I I legit do, though. Like, I get like, Last year when we moved um, here, it was right at the end of pollen season. Yeah. And you're like me. It's real yeah, bad. Had, real bad. Yeah. Like, four different medications. It feels like I have the flu for two weeks, like acupuncture, like all the things. I can't sleep. I can't wake up. Sneezing fits that last an hour. Like, it's a real. It's not like a, oh, my nose tickles and my eyes run. It's like, I cannot breathe for like a month. <laughs> yeah. And I went to like an event at one of our neighbor's houses. And so, like, I've only been on the street at that point for, like, three or four weeks. And all of a sudden, it just hit me and my face blew You got, up. like, the puffy eyes. I yeah. Puffy <laughs> eyes, puffy nose, puffy face. Like, a little tear. And I'm just, like, like blowing my nose <laughs> constantly. And I was like, I swear it's not COVID. I swear. And everyone's like, oh, no, we know. You're just allergic to the pollen. Like, your life's going to suck for yeah, like ev- the rest of the time you're yeah. here good good luck and I was like cool 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 but it passes nice to meet you I'm Chelsea and I'm like blowing my nose in their yeah, face yeah yeah for- yeah fortunately it only lasts for like so. a couple weeks and then it gets out of the air but yeah it's hell and I, I I do get frustrated with people the other people listen if you are people who you're like I have to take Zyrtec every day while the pollen's out bitch call me when you're taking Zyrtec Claritin Sinex Mucinex sleeping medication waking up four hours a night then let's talk then tell me you have a problem (laughs) like it's serious I y'all come visit y'all come visit North Carolina it's so great just don't come at those like those like that little window of time when the pollen's out once once the pollen passes the rain comes shakes it all out and then it's just summer yeah but anyways so what are you drinking over there we're gonna so since bypass the allergy talk. dry February is over I am back on my wine jam I've got Clos Dubois I don't know. I don't know. It's a Merlot. It's actually, if I'm going to be honest, this is basically everything I have ever wanted in a Merlot. It's really full bodied. It's got those like strong cherry accents and it's oaked. It's definitely oaked. Um, But yeah, Clos du, no, Clos du Bois. I don't know. C-L-O-S-D-U-B-O-I-S. I don't know. 
It's delicious, though. I don't know. Just put a French accent on it, and you're good to go. Close du bois. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. That's probably how you say it. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, it looks yummy. I can see your glass over yeah, here. Yeah, it's tasty. It looks good. You're still keeping up, though. You're doing dry good. March, too, right? Um, yeah, kinda. I mean, I broke it last weekend because we did a, like a little brunch club thing. Um, and I had some bubbly, but yeah, and I have a lot of work to do tomorrow morning. So I got to kind of keep it under control. Um, but so I just made some like hot cocoa because I'm 12 and I love me some instant hot cocoa. What is, I would say, what is more delicious than warm chocolate with milk? <laughs> it's so good it's so good all I need is some Baileys or something in it and it'd be like Ooh, perfection yes. but it's all right it's all right yes mm-hmm. yesterday I made some it's good it's good. at home toaster strudels with Nutella on the inside because I was like I just want some warm mm. liquidy chocolate yeah <laughs> no I girl I was at the commissary yesterday and I guess Cinnabon has their own like line now and I bought their like caramel swirl pecan um bun wait a minute that you can just like throw in the microwave for like 45 wait seconds wait a minute heaven heaven you can just buy these at the store yeah at least where i shop and it's not mm-hmm. like a dough it's like ready to go you just heat it up mm-hmm. you just heat it up okay okay look look in your frozen eyes. i'm gonna check it it's over by like the dessert okay i'm gonna check it so <laughs> All right. All right. Well, what kind of wow. misery are you going to bring upon us this week? <laughs> we <laughs> we are going to talk about the serial killer William Reese. Have you heard of him? Ooh, yeah. We he was in like it was like New Mexico or Texas or somewhere in that area. Texas, okay. Texas and Oklahoma. Um. So I got a lot of my information from the. TV show Texas True Crime Tracking the Devil as well as um, Dallas News Interactive's Portrait of a Serial Killer written by Sarah Mervos interesting M-E-R-V-O-S-H and Claire Baller okay I got nothing better for those last names all right (laughs) Uh, mm, <laughs> I nothing for you. Like you said, journalists always have interesting last names. Um, so William Reese was born July first, nineteen fifty nine, and was raised on a farm in Yukon, Oklahoma. He had twelve brothers and sisters, Ooh. and by the ninth grade, yeah, I know. <laughs> no. Whenever I hear those those numbers, I'm like, I know somebody, um, and she has like legitimately like eight kids. Yeah. And I'm like, people do it, I, but like, that's people love it. I couldn't, I could not, I could not imagine. I'm like counting the days until my kid is in school full time. Don't ask me to explain it to you, girl. I, uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So by the ninth grade, I mean, more power to you. You do you. Yeah. That's yeah. You no judgment. Do, Absolutely. We're just not the superhumans and if that it, apparently you are to be able to cope with that level yeah. of chaos. No, Mm-mm. I'm out. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, by the ninth grade, he had dropped out of school and started to shoe horses. He 
had bounced in his early life from foster care as a child. I'm so sorry. But he did have a close relationship with his mother. Can I interrupt you one more time? Mm-hmm. Um, was this mm-hmm. was what? Because this was I know that this was like not current when he was caught. Was this really early? Like what time frame are we talking about when he was young? Oh, like as a child. Yeah. What what year was it? Did you say? He was born in 1959. It didn't. There wasn't a lot like of information about his earlier life that I could so find. So this was still though, like, so he was nine. I mean, that was still the early 60s. That seems young to. I guess if you're a farm family, it's not. Oh, crazy. by the ninth. Well, no, ninth grade. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. So ninth oh, grade. Okay. You're what? 13, 13, 14. But okay, so late 60s. That still seems a bit odd. Yeah. That even then he was allowed to drop out of school, but I guess not. I don't know. Does that seem weird to you? Does seem normal? I think like if you live like for if you're on a farm I mean, person people drop out of school. Yeah, but people still drop out of school nowadays at young ages too. Like it's not as uncommon as you think. But it's not normal. No, it's not normal. But there was a time when it was like fine to drop out of school at 16 to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think so that like we, the 60s? Definitely not this time. No. Yeah. 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 I could see 60s. Okay. Okay. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, yeah. was this normal or is this abnormal? Yeah. Um. Well, here you go. By the time he was 19 years old, this was in 1979, he married Judy Fleming. Oof. Young. Fleming said that William, yeah, William had threatened to shoot himself if she didn't go out with what? him. What? Oh, no. So, red flag number Houston, one. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Yeah. If anyone ever threatens that they're going to hurt themselves if you don't go out with them, you need to walk the fuck away. You need to call the police, let them know that that person made a threat, and then leave. Because sometimes these people just need a cop showing up and being like, we're going to take you somewhere if you keep this conversation up, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, so within a year of their marriage, she left William because he was cheating on her. She did end up going back to him, and they had a son and a daughter. In 1982, Judy filed for divorce and William turned violent. And I have a feeling that he was probably violent throughout the marriage. Like, um, Judy said, he broke into my house and beat me up, put a knife to my throat, threw me down and put a shotgun to my head. Oh, Jesus Christ. William did end up moving on and getting married again. Oh, no. Shocker. Divorced again. Oh, dear God. So, like, this guy is, like, not a nice dude. No. Well, not well. Like, no. oh, my God. No. Okay. All right. So, in the spring of 1986, a 19-year-old college student from the University of Oklahoma was driving to her job as an aerobics instructor. As an aerobics instructor. <laughs> I'm that in. Instructor. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't talk. I can't talk past five, and we always record so late. Um, we do. This is not our prime My mind hours. just shuts down. No. I mean, I'm up at like 6 a.m. working, so like I'm not, and then like taking care of a toddler. I know. Once the baby goes so to bed. By like, honestly. The brain's like, I don't have to do anything by else By three. Anymore. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have friends that are like. Oh, I stay up and I read and I do this. And I'm like, my brain is like, bitch, you better put on some trashy TV. 
Which at the end of this episode, like, we must zone discuss the 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days because that shit got wild. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. So it's it's a real thing. Anyways, she was driving to her job as an aerobic aerobics instructor when her Mustang stalled on Interstate 35. Okay. It was raining that day and she noticed there was a mall and a hotel but a tall fence separated her from reaching them. Mm. So as she was considered climbing the fence to get help, because, you know, it's in the 80s, so she can't just call somebody, yeah. a semi pulled up next to her. It was William Reese offering to oh, help. Oh, shit. So, yeah, she gets into his truck relieved that someone had stopped to help her. But instead of taking her to to get to a phone to call for help he pins her down to a mattress in the truck's sleeper cab she asked him why are you doing this to me and he responded that he was crazy william duct taped her arms behind her back and put her in an orange sleeping bag he drove off and when he stopped again he forced her to give him oral sex at the trial, she would testify that afterward, he pulled his pants up, told me how much he loved me again, Ooh. how he started being, lo- how he started being lonely, and we were going to live forever in Houston. Ooh. Yeah, not yuck, not what you the yuck, just ugh. Oof. Yeah, that's oh man, poor thing. She managed to escape by gaining his trust and convincing him to allow her to go to the bathroom. Yes. She, yeah. Well, also, he ended up giving her a quarter to make a call, and he kissed her goodbye. And that is when she called her family. She didn't call the police. She called her family. <laughs> she called her fa- Well, okay. I forgot to put this in her. She, her dad was a, a sheriff. Oh, okay. Like Two sheriff. birds, one stone. <laughs> Done. Perfect. So she's like, <laughs> definitely I call dad. Yeah, hundred percent call dad. Hundred percent. Yep. Because I can guarantee you that dad's gonna get there quicker than the police. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So the next month, while waiting for trial for kidnapping and oral sodomy from the eighty-six case, he raped a woman that he followed home from a bar. He was awaiting trial. Mm-hmm. Was he out on bail? So remember, this is again. There wasn't between like the article that I found and the show. They didn't go into much like about trials or anything like that. He must have been out um, on bail. I'm gonna assume he probably was. Yeah. This is the 80s. Yeah, I know. I know. You're you right. Know? You're right. I know. Different time. It was only rape, so, and he didn't even really rape her. He just forced her to give him head. Like, that's not really rape. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He's yeah. harmless. I mean, she, it's... it's she, pro- <laughs> she probably wanted it. Yeah, like... God. It's insane. Well, you're about to get real mad. No, so, great. he was convicted and was sentenced to 25 years, but only served... In the show, it said nine years, but in the article, it said 10 years. Damn. So nine to ten years. For her, for her in case. October. Mm-hmm. Hmm. For her case. Hmm. In October of '96, after an appeals court reduced his sentence because of improper comments made by a prosecutor, he was released. Oh damn it! God damn it! That's mm-hmm. some bullshit. Yep. 
he was released in 1996 and found work shoeing horses and construction work. He would haul like heavy construction equipment and he would go back and forth between Oklahoma and Texas. He would also become a suspect in the kidnapping and rape of a 22-year-old woman in Houston, Texas. She was at a gas station late at night when William saw her and followed her. She felt like something was wrong with her car and she ends up pulling over thinking she has a flat. Oh, no. She sees a truck pull up behind her and a man starts walking towards her. She gets out of the car. She describes William. He drags her into the woods, beats her, strangles her, and sexually assaults her. She believes the reason that she was able to survive this is because he thought she was dead. She played dead. I this this she, is the yeah. story that I've heard. This this I don't. Uh, this is what's ringing a bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was able to pick William out of a lineup, but he was never charged with her attack. What? Why? She could have dropped the charges. Um, Damn. I mean, there's you, there's so many. And you know, like, to relive that. No, yeah. It's, and to testify in cases yeah. in courts. Like, sure. I mean, the, I couldn't, like, I didn't see why she dropped, like, why the charges were never followed through. Mm-hmm. Lack of evidence. Because, again, this is 96. True. So, like, true. true, DNA is still really not a thing. It's so new-ish you know so yeah. and I mean you are absolutely right she might have just been like I'm not doing that again I'm not living that over again Ugh, mm-hmm. poor thing and I mean look like she didn't die and unfortunately the one case that he kidnapped and sodomized somebody he only spent what max 10 years yeah and then he did it again and then he got away with it again mm-hmm. so this is two times and he was suspect in other rape cases Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So, okay. his track record is not looking too great. No, but and what I'm also seeing is a pattern of him continuing to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And things are about to escalate. Great. Could, so, never saw that coming. Texas. I know, right? No signs at all. It just, like, happened. Out of, out of thin air. Friendswoods, Texas. April 3rd, 1997, 12-year-old Laura Smither went missing. (coughs) She was being homeschooled by her mom, Gay Smither, and while Gay was making breakfast, Laura asked to go on a run. Now, this wasn't like Laura to just go for a run because she did not like running. Okay. Same. Laura, same. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But was trying to build up some endurance for her ballet. Okay. She had just been accepted into the Houston Ballet Academy. And I actually looked them up and they were like prestigious. Got it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. She went for her run around 9 a.m. So when Laura didn't come back, her parents started to worry. Laura would sometimes ride her bike with her father, Bob Smither. So while like he was running. Okay. So he had this idea of like. Maybe he went, she went on, like, the bike route that we go. hmm Okay. So he went along that route. She wasn't there. Oof. Within 15 minutes of calling the police, the Smithers were reporting her daughter missing. Good her parents are calling neighbors and friends, and that very day they had people out searching for Laura. Nice. Awesome. The local news station that evening um, even started to, like, had a report on Laura disappearing. 
The next day, hundreds of people were out searching for Laura. So huge search party. Yeah, yeah. She's 12. Yeah, she's a baby. Yeah. And like I could not imagine like the guilt of being like, why does my daughter want to go for a run? I guess sure. And being like, I should have like not let her run, you know, like she doesn't go for runs. Like I should have been a little bit more like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like wait for your father, go running with your father. Like. In that amount of ugh. in PTSD therapy, we call those stuck points. <laughs> Suck points. Stuck points. Oh, stuck. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. Un, uh, it, like it's not rightful guilt, but I'm sure she does have to cope with some of those feelings. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So April eighth, the search for Laura is still continuing. Michael Barker, who is a family friend, he kind of becomes like the head of the search party and he ends up helping like other victims as well. And by this time, the FBI, the National Guard and volunteers are all searching for Laura. Damn. Okay. Yeah. They got a big crew. Yeah. Yeah. They're not fucking playing. This is what? Three days after? Four days after? This is like two days after. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. On April 20th, there was a town meeting called at the high school auditorium. And while one of, like, the talking, like, police detectives were talking, were speaking, a note was given to the chief of police, who was sitting next to Mike, the family friend running the search party. Yeah, yeah. And he just looks at Mike and says, I got to go. Uh-oh. So everyone kind of knew that, like, something happened, something was found. Okay. A man and his dog had discovered the badly decomposed body of a young girl. Oh. Laura was missing for 17 days when her body was found at the edge of a retention pond in Pasadena, Texas, about 12 miles from where she went missing. Ah. When she was found, the only clothing she had on her that she had on her was her socks. Oh, baby. I know. The medical examiner's office determined she had been beaten and strangled. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what this guy's problem was. He can fuck right off. So now the police are starting to look at everyone that lived close in the area um, that Laura was abducted from. There was a man that was on a sex offender list, and they bring him in for questioning. Guess who this man was? William Reese. William Reese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he he's, he's been out the there time. raping and kidnapping women for the past God knows how many years. I know. So he's 38 years old Jesus. when Laura went missing. That just seems so young. Yeah. Good grief. And he was working construction. And, you know, he had just gotten released from prison a year prior. Remember that. Okay. Like, he did not waste any fucking time. So he was working in the Windsor Estates subdivision, which is located off the West Parkwood Avenue near where Laura lives, lived. It had rained that day. So when he reported for work, he was let off early. Yeah. So obviously you can't do a lot of construction in the rain. Yeah. And he left work around the same time that Laura disappeared. He then reported back to the Windsor subdivision about 30 minutes later. So he becomes the prime suspect and pretty much the only suspect. 
but there isn't a lot of evidence to build the case. Okay. So okay. he left because he was let go, and then he came back 30 minutes later? Yeah. It was, like, weird. Mm-hmm. 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 And he was in the area. And, again, they didn't go into many things about, like, the investigations and like where I'm sure other people were spoken to and yeah. alibied out and all that fun stuff. But he essentially is like becomes the prime suspect mm-hmm. and pretty much police are like pretty much sure he did it, but yeah. we don't have the evidence to trial to try him in it. Okay. Okay. So now we jump to Dent- Denton, Texas uh, at the university of North Texas. Okay. Kelly Ann Cox was a 20-year-old student at the university and a young mom to a 19-month-old. She was majoring in psychology with a minor in criminology. On July 15th, 1997, she took a field trip to the Denton. I think that's how you say it. D-E-N-T-O-N. Yeah, Denton. Yeah. Yeah. Denton. Denton jail for her criminology class. And she just vanishes after the field trip. What? Mm-hmm. In what? the parking lot. What? Of the jail. Huh? Yeah. What? Okay. What? There mm-hmm. are cameras all over that shit. If you are parked there for too long. No, girl, you got to remember, this is the late 90s. And they haven't fixed that shit up? I mean, girl, half of the damn... Fucking surveillance cameras don't work nowadays. What did you expect from 1997? Damn. Jesus Christ. They probably have like one camera when you walk into the jail. <laughs> that probably gets erased every tw- 12 hours or something. You're probably not wrong. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the one place that you think you would be secure is at a jail. Like, Jesus. Maybe not the parking lot. It was, it was all, whenever I went to visit, everything was all very serious. <laughs> That's all I know. That's all I, I know. know. I feel like the 90s was still like. No, it's true. They were just, they were just it starting to be just like, starting. We yeah. Should, we should, we should really start taking this shit seriously. No, it was. And I mean, I could totally buy if this was like maybe just a smaller jail in Denton. Like they're like, eh, we'll put him by the front door, but we're not going to stress too much about the parking lot. And it's definitely a yeah. jail, not a prison, right? Yeah, it's a jail. Which I mean, that in and of itself, let a little less security because lots of people are coming and going for court and hearings yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But damn. Okay, all right. So yeah. she disappears out of this parking lot. Yep. So the professor had told the students, you know, you can't bring anything into the jail. So either hide your key at your car, yep. get someone to drop you off, or take a taxi. Kelly decides to hide her key. Okay. And she gets one of those hideaway key. Yeah, like the magnet things. That you can put your key in. Yeah. Um, so Kelly calls her boyfriend after the tour and tells him like her key won't work so she asks him to come you know help her to get into the car and whatnot and when he arrives kelly car kelly's car is still there but she is not and neither is her key or the hide a key box which that tracks right because that means that she took the key Mm -hmm. out right Mm -hmm. but she's saying like the key doesn't work which is weird 
which is extremely weird. Yeah. Why does your own key not work in your own car door? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it had just worked, obviously, to start the car. When you were when you and drove to turn the car there. off, yeah, and to lock the car, yeah. So, what did this fucker do? Just, I'm just gonna throw it out there and say, I think he might have messed with the goddamn key somehow. Yeah, if your car key suddenly isn't working, don't linger by the car. Go back inside and wait for a ride. <laughs> Girl, I don't go back to the jail. That is the safest place you can be right now. Yeah. Go find any other human. <laughs> go find an officer. Just stand by them. They I might not like it. I but wouldn't they have called my you. boyfriend. I would have I would have been like, this is gonna take way too fucking long. Cause you know you know you have to page them. Pagers were a thing. <laughs> cell phones, you know, unless you were Zach Morris, you ain't got your cell phones hanging out. You gotta send a page. <laughs> And you got to wait for them to yeah, call you. <laughs> or you have to go c- find your corners, make a call. Hopefully they pick up. <laughs> I would have gone straight into the jail and I would have just been like, I need help. I would have done sir. that today. I wouldn't have even got, I would have gone inside and done that today. Like I even with the cell phone or at least made the call inside the jail, which I mean, again, I think we're biased because we're exposed to so much of this, but at least she, at least her story can teach us a lesson. And that lesson is if for whatever weird reason your key isn't working, go back inside. Just go back inside. Yeah. Just go back inside. Um, they ended up never finding the key or the hide a key box, by the way. Okay. So early on in the investigation of Kelly's disappearance, our Number one guy, William Reese, become became a suspect. Again, he was on the sex offenders list, and they found a receipt at a gas station that showed he was in Denton that day. They did try to use Kelly's fingerprints to see if they could find a match on or in his truck, but they weren't able to find anything. And once again, they don't really have anything linking him to Kelly. Just their suspicions. And they weren't able to find her body <coughs> yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. Okay. Okay. So, her, I mean, we'll, I'll tell you. Her body ends up not being found for almost, like, 19 years later. Shit. No. You know where I think I know about this guy from? I think he was on where the bodies were buried. I think he was one of the serial killers that that guy interviewed. He might be. Yeah. Might, yeah. I think he's also part of, like, a show, The Texas Killing Fields, because I believe, like, this be interstate it. that he yeah. goes on, yeah. it's, like, notoriously known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we now jump to Bethany, Oklahoma. Tiffany Johnson was 19 and a newlywed when her and her husband moved to the suburbs of Bethany. The day she disappeared, July, I was kind of confused again. Like the show wasn't 100% clear on certain things. I wasn't sure if it was like July 26th or the 27th. Okay. So even in the portrait of a serial killer, it doesn't give me the exact date. Okay. Maybe they're not entirely sure. Yeah. Because like, again, this is still like the 90s. So like. It's yeah. I feel like things aren't as like concise as it is now. Right. Right. If we if she didn't have like a cell phone to like call from or like if she had just stayed home that day, it'd be hard to pinpoint like exactly what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so what are going to say about the feedback? She said that she loves our podcast because we always bring in the relevance of the person who committed the crime if they have mental health. Like, we always talk about the mental health side of it. And she was like, nobody else does mm-hmm. that on true crime. She was talking very specifically about... Um, she said the vampire of Sacramento. She said, like, she had heard that story before, but she hadn't heard it from the way that we talked about it, where we were like, obviously, this man was screaming for help multiple times and nobody did anything yeah. to help him. And then there were a couple other cases where she was like, you just don't hear people talking about, like, I mean, obviously, something was, oh, it was the most recent one where we were like, something was wrong in that house that led with Bobby Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. that led this mm-hmm. girl to feel like and I mean obviously she had her own issues too but she was like people don't talk about that and like I really appreciate that you guys talk about the mental health of the potential oh, like criminals good. so yeah is she an iPhone user uh, no she does Probably Spotify but she said that she I told her and she said that her husband has Apple and so she was gonna if she, try to remember I can send her a text try to remind her but she said she was gonna go on with his and try yeah and leave because we keep getting one star reviews we keep getting one star written reviews on Apple Apple's not our fan. Well, forget Apple then. We still yeah. we have but, we, okay. we have six hundred unique listeners. That's du- we've doubled in two weeks. Oh girl, South Africa loves us. <laughs> we'll have to do a shout out to South Africa. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing in South Africa, but everybody on Facebook is from fucking South Africa. Interesting. Well, whatever. Whatever gets mm-hmm. us there. Anyways. So um, we're not entirely anyways. sure if it's the 26th or the 27th, but some one of those days. Yeah. So <laughs> of, of 1997, she went to work at El Chico's, which was a restaurant. She got off work around 2 p.m. She then went to her second job, Sight and Sound, which was similar to like a Best Buy. Okay. After she got off, she went home to get ready to meet her husband, Ryan, to celebrate their three-month anniversary. Because they're newlyweds. Chelsea. This hurts my heart in a very deep way. I know. In a very, very deep way. Yeah. She stopped to get her car washed, and that was the last time that anyone saw her. Oh, baby. Around midnight that night, Tiffany's mother got a call from the Bethany Police Department asking if Tiffany was with her. Her car had been abandoned at the car wash. Now, her husband did go look for her when she didn't return from the car wash as well. Yeah. Now, in her car, her pager was there her ID, and her paycheck. The car doors were open when it was, like, when the car was discovered. The car doors were open, and the mats were hanging on the rack to be cleaned. People did say they saw her at the car wash, but no one saw what happened. Weird. I know. An investigation quickly takes place, and Tiffany's body is found quickly. The police were searching for another missing girl in the area. When Tiffany's body was found off Interstate 40 near Yukon, Oklahoma, about 10 miles away from Bethany. Can we stop having girls go missing, please? Please? Can that just stop? Thank you. All right. They heard you. It's going to stop now. (laughs) (laughs) An autopsy showed that she had been strangled. She had been sexually assaulted and had trauma on her head and on her shoulder areas. Okay. That tracks. Was someone potentially pushing okay. her or dragging her somewhere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we go back to Texas to Lamarck, Texas, August 17th, 1997. 
Jessica Kane's mother woke up to find that Jessica, who was 17 at the time, had never returned home from a theater cast party the night before. Okay. They did the, um, yeah. Friends of Jessica saw her leave the party around 1.30 a.m. She had been out celebrating at Bennigan's after her performance of Oklahoma at the local community theater. <laughs> She had given a ride to a friend, and after dropping her friend off, Jessica got onto Interstate 45. Her father would end up finding her car abandoned on the side of the road on the interstate. Oh, God. Her wallet was still in her truck. Now, no one believes that anything was wrong with the truck, and if something was wrong, then she would have waited in the truck for help. So it's like an instant, like, they know it's not good news. Yeah, yeah. She disappeared a week before she was to start her freshman year at San Houston State University. Jesus Christ. All these girls are so young. They're so young. Late women. Except for, yeah, all these women. Except, except for, for Laura. The one girl, 12-year-old. Yeah. Laura. Yeah, exactly. Laura. Several oh. weeks go by and volunteers are continuing to search for Jessica. Even Laura Smithers' parents came out to help search for Jessica. They are just just delightful wonderful people i've decided they i just yes i could not imagine the search for jessica continues but they aren't able to find her okay so in the uh the show tracking the devil we meet former police chief sue dietrich nance sure i think that's how you say it of Tiki Island, where Jessica Kane was from. And she was called in to help with the case of Sandra Spog. S-A-P-A-U-G-H? Spog? Yeah. Okay. Of Sandra Spog. Sandra was 19, and she had been abducted outside of a Waffle House in Webster, Texas. She had managed to escape by jumping out of her attacker's car on interstate 45 and by the way she was pregnant when this happened what a fucking beast i wonder if that gave her like that last little oomph to be like like i'm this is not fucking happening to my child you know what i mean yeah like i'm out yeah um so sue specialized in hypnotizing victims of trauma to help them uncover any information that their subconscious might be hiding yes okay i've heard about this i wonder if that's like because you know i don't remember names i wonder if i've read about her work before maybe i don't i i mean i don't know of any of her work or anything i'm sure she probably has something out there um but I do believe that, like, that can definitely help. Absolutely, with yeah. With cases, hypnotizing yeah. victims. Yep, I agree. Because it's proven that our brain, like, shuts out, you know, obviously certain memories and shuts yeah. down at certain times just to be able to cope <coughs> well, and, and this survive. Was, this was early 90s, late 90s? Late 90s. So they didn't have EMDR, mm-hmm. but it's it's very akin. It's not the same thing, I know that. But it's very akin to MD, EMDR-type therapies where it's kind of mm-hmm. that, like, you disassociate and allow your brain to to bring those memories that you have shut down from the trauma to light. Yeah. So it's not unusual. It's not it's not that off the wall. Yeah. Sandra was so traumatized that she was unable to really recall any information about her attacker. Mm-hmm. But when she was hypnotized, she was able to recall very important details about her attacker. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sandra said that she had pulled up to a convenience store on NASA Road 1 in the early morning hours and went in to buy some items. She left the parking lot and drove across the street to the Waffle House. Her attacker then pulled up next to her and asked if she needed some help. She was confused and asked him why. And he said, because you have a flat tire. He flattened her tire, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was then forced into his truck at knife point and he started driving north on 45 and at some point he told her to take her clothes off. Again, people, do not get into a Don't car. Do not location. go to a second location. Let him kill you at the spot. Start screaming. Start fighting. Well, yeah. And like the chances are if you start gonna making run. a scene yep. like that, yep. they're going to run. Yep. Or if they even stab you. You'll probably have a better chance of surviving. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But or, then again, not even like stab you. You're... If you get shot, like, let's be honest. Like, it's mm-hmm. you, you can survive a bullet wound. You can survive being stabbed. You can survive all of those things. It's better just to risk that than to risk what might happen if they transport you. Because if they move you, the chances of you being found it's... plummet. They plummet. Yeah. But then again, you know. Not we are not victim blaming. No, 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 fight no, or no, flight no, no, kicks no, in. no. And we are the saying fight or this, flight response. We are saying this to comfort ourselves so that perhaps in the moments of trauma, should God forbid either of us ever exhibit like experience this, that it is so deeply ingrained into our brains, kind of like stop, drop and roll, that when our brain is sheer panicking, we will somehow remember, don't let them take you to a second location. <laughs> yeah. Don't let them take you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I would like to think that my brain response would be fight, but I have but a know. feeling yeah. that I would be like just standing there, like, uh. wait, <laughs> what? Oh, wait, are 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 you are you serious right now? <laughs> like, do you really want? Uh, oh, oh, okay. Wait a minute. I, I get. Um, wait a minute. Wait. Um. Okay. So. So he asks, he tells her, take your clothes off. So she goes to bend down to untie her shoes. And that is when she realized that the door was unlocked. So she starts to fight with him to get out of his truck. And she does, but she ends up being dragged a few miles under the truck before she was able Holy to get away from shit. him. A few miles? Holy fucking mm-hmm. shit. Oh, my God. Again, mm-hmm. I just... Uh, would like to reiterate to everyone she is still alive you can survive such things i know it sounds horrible but sometimes you yeah, gotta do i mean the desperate yeah jesus um, christ a couple miles okay god damn that's what the show said yeah god damn so a few weeks after hypnotizing sandra sue stops by the friendswood police department to talk to the chief about the prime suspect in the Laura Smithers case. So the police tell her about William Reeves, but not having enough evidence. So Sue leaves, and at about 3 a.m. that night, she wakes up, and it clicks that Sandra was describing William Reese. Okay. Okay. So Sue calls the police chief and is like, Sandra described William in his truck. Sue had also hypnotized a store clerk, who was able to also recall seeing William's truck parked next to Sandra's. So the Friendswood police end up taking William in for a live lineup, and Sandra was able to pick him out. 
Inside of his truck, investigators found strong evidence. During Sandra's hypnosis, she was able to describe the inside of the truck and on the dash if there was anything unusual. She said that on the glove box, there was a paper with numbers written on it. She was about to read about, she could read about four or five of them, but, but couldn't really read anymore. Okay. Sandra gave Sue those numbers. So when the investigators were searching his truck oh. on the glove glove box, there were post-it notes overlapping each other. Mm-hmm. And you could only see about four or five of the numbers. Yes. The number. So he would be charged with aggravating kidnapping in Sandra's case. Okay. 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 So, in 1998, William goes to trial for Sandra's case. Sandra did take the stand and described what happened to her that night. Of course, William denies this and says that it's all been blown out of proportion. Sue also testifies. The jury does find him guilty and was sentenced to 60 years in prison. He shows absolutely no signs of remorse. And of course, his lawyers say... They will be filing an appeal. <laughs> appeal all you want, bitch. I know. I know. It's like, go right fuck ahead. Please do. Off. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I keep losing my spot in my notes. It's very annoying. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. Okay. Years have gone by at this point, and the families of Laura Smither, Kelly Cox, Tiffany Johnson, and Jessica Stain change. Jessica Kane still do not know what happened to their daughters. Mm. In 2012, Tiffany's mom calls the new director of the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation asking for help in Tiffany's case. He tells Tiffany's mom that he is going to assign Lynn Williams to her daughter's case. Lynn starts from scratch and he starts looking at all of the evidence and looking at the husbands and the close friends and the ex-friends, et cetera. Like he's doing the due diligence to make sure like, yeah, could it have been somebody we overlooked? Yeah. He was able to rule all of them out. And again, William Reese becomes a person of interest. Nice. Okay. During an interview with Texas police, William made a statement that Oklahoma was trying to pin the Tiffany Dobry case on him. So, of course, the police department in Texas calls the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation and asks if they have a Tiffany Dobry case they are working on. And they're kind of like, no, we don't have a case by that name. But Tiffany Johnson's maiden name was Dobry. There it is. So, yep, after a few hours, it clicked that they meant Tiffany Johnson. Uh Uh-huh. So now this is how William became another potential, a potential suspect in the case. Mm-hmm. In Tiffany's case. Okay. You ready for a fucking like mind blown I moment guess. right here? All right, here we go. So it turns out that Tiffany's mother actually knew William's mother. Fuck off. Yeah. So William's mother would do Tiffany's mother's ironing. And after William was released from jail in 96, Tiffany's mom actually met William. But his mother and him never made it made it seem like it was no big deal that he went to jail. Like it was like something small, right? So she didn't really question or suspect anything. Oh. Because this is, she meets him right when he gets released from jail in 96. Oh, 
shit. Damn. Mm-hmm. She finds this out now. She found, yeah, so once she realized that William Reese was like a suspect. Oh, she's got to be so pissed. She's got to be so pissed. So, in fact, when Tiffany went missing, he called Tiffany's house and said he was so sorry about the loss of their daughter and he didn't kill her. No. What Mm -hmm. a bastard. And Tiffany's mom even said in the show, she's like, they were in such a state of shock of everything that was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. And there's people everywhere. Like, looking back, she's like, that was a really fucking weird thing to say. Yeah, but she's not. And look, at that moment, she's not thinking. No. She's like, thank you so much. I have shit to do right now. Yeah. Like, I can't talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, okay. So, also, William's mother also did the ironing for Tiffany's clothes for her funeral service. Oh, yuck. Do you think his mom was suspicious? Tiffany's mom believes that his mother knew he killed Tiffany because every year on her anniversary of her death, there would be like little trinkets on her headstone. When his mother died, they stopped. (laughs) Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So William never actually met Tiffany. Uh Uh-huh. But believes that he knew who she was because of pictures that Tiffany's mother would show. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So finally, in 2015, a break came in Tiffany's case. With advancements in DNA, swabs that had been collected from the state medical office from autopsy, the lab decided to retest the swabs to see if they could find anything. This is when the DNA profile came back. It matched William Reese. There it is. There it is. Mm-hmm. So a year prior in 2014, the Friendswood Police Department started to look back at Laura's case and re-examine it. They looked at all the evidence, and this included William, William Reese's phone records. So back in 1997, several documents were created with the intent to search at the house that he was staying at, as well as phone bills and gas receipts from his truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. This helped put a timeline together. With the phone records, they were able to place him in Oklahoma the day before Tiffany disappeared. And it also put him close in close proximity to her location where the abduction took place. The next day, the records show him going back to Texas. So the reason they were kind of able to really track this is because he was using phone calling cards. Mm, okay. Remember the calling yes, cards? Yes, I do. For people that aren't show. Gather round, children. <laughs> for, for gather round. <laughs> round. So these cards had account numbers mm-hmm. and the phone companies would treat it like a credit card. So when you made a call using your account number, it was attached to your phone account. So there's always records. Yep. Yep. So that is how they were able to like really be like, okay, we now have your location. We have the DNA evidence. Yeah, like We know, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So in September of 2015, William was charged with the kidnapping and murder of Tiffany Johnson. Oh, thank God. William denies this at first, of course. But, you know, DNA evidence says otherwise. So a few weeks before he was supposed to... Jesus, a few weeks before he was supposed to go on trial, he starts to confess to other killings in an attempt to make a deal. Oh, no. So 
In February 2016, Texas Ranger James Holen interviews William at the prison in Huntsville, Texas, where he was serving his sentence in the Sandra spot. Sandra Case. I'm not going to butcher her last name again. Mm. She deserves better. She sure does. Does. Texas Ranger Holland. I just like saying Texas Ranger. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I it's agree. a fun, yeah. Yeah. fun little word. Yeah. <laughs> Texas Ranger. <laughs> Holland brings a stack of pictures of Laura, Kelly, Tiffany, and Jessica. Okay. The Ranger asked him, like, who do I need to speak to? In regards to these cases, because you remember, he's now prime suspect in all these cases. Uh-huh. Okay. Who do I need to speak to talking about, like, the DA office attorneys in these cases? And William kind of, like, takes his hand over all of the pictures and is, like, all of them. Ooh. Mm-hmm. William agrees to lead investigators to the body of Kelly Cox, where he said she was buried in a field in Roshan, Texas. Rosin, Texas. So according to William, he got out at a small grocery store, kind of like off the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, those like little small convenience grocery stores. Yeah, sure, sure. And he like fell out or tripped out of his truck and ran into Kelly, who had a coke so when he ran into her the coke got over both of them okay this is his story yeah right mm-hmm. okay so he starts cussing at her and she hits him with the plastic bottle and so he slaps her and so this is when he grabs her around the neck and starts to choke her so this is supposed to all take place in the middle of the uh, in the afternoon Police aren't buying his story, by the way. Right. They're like, this shit makes absolutely like, mm-hmm. no sense. And they don't believe that he killed her there either. He claims no one was around. No one. Even though it's in the middle of the afternoon, two blocks away from a police station. And also, again, if this is a small convenience store on the side of the road, that means that it is obviously in a community that relies on that particular store which would make me infer that it's probably smaller and it has its regulars in the middle of the afternoon. People are going to be going to and fro. And you don't think the clerk's going to see something going exactly. on? Exactly. Like, stop it. If it's just you two in the parking lot. Stop yeah. it. S- stop it. <laughs> so in 2016, William was temporarily transferred to Friendswood jail so that he could lead investigators to Kelly's remains. So after days of digging, they are still not able to find her remains. William gives up a second location of where he could bury Jessica because he's trying to get a deal so he doesn't essentially get the, pl- the death penalty. Yeah, yeah. Investigators start digging in a field in southeast Houston near Hobby Airport. So he said the night that Jessica disappeared, he was in Bennigan's eating and drinking when he got into his Jeep and he could hear someone arguing with Jessica and the next thing he knows, Jessica slams her door into his Jeep and start and he starts yelling at her and she flips him off and they get into an argument. No, wasn't this the one mm-hmm. who? Sh- no, never mind. Never mind. I'm thinking of the other one. But still, no, come on. Yeah. Jessica was the one that was uh, just got done. She was at like at a the, cast right. theater. Right, 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 right. Party. Mm-hmm. Um. So she flips him off. They get into an argument. 
So he drives away and gets on I-45 towards Galveston. And next thing he knows, she pulls up behind him and she was getting out of her truck. Stop. And her door was open and she was yelling at him. And he said he lost it and got out and hit her. No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Now, he lives in the other direction. So where was he she driving? She lived in going towards Gaveston. Yeah, exactly. She lived the direction he was driving. He was following her. I bet you money he was following her. Well, she was in the sad part is she was only like two miles away from home. Ugh. Ugh. Or from her like exit to it's home. It's so yeah. interesting she was to me how like each of these women, they started it. Mm-hmm. Like in all mm-hmm. of his stories, he's like, well, they started it. I just I I mean, like, granted, I escalated it, but they started it. Started it. Fuck off, like, dude. Yeah. So. OK. So after he hit her, he put Jessica in the Jeep and he doesn't remember, but she wasn't breathing. So after he got out her. So he got a little bit. So after he got her in the Jeep. He took off right to a stable barn, and at some point he had stolen a bulldozer, and he buried Jessica out there. Did they find her bones? Like, that's his story. So after weeks of digging, they did find the remains of Jessica Kane. A few weeks after finding Jessica remains, Kelly's Cox remains were found. It took 19 years to find the remains. I swear I've heard this story. I think it was on where the bodies are buried. But what a piece of shit. You know what makes me so sick is that you remember how he sent Mm -hmm. them to a location that wasn't quite right? I mean, sure. Yes. 19 Mm -hmm. years, like your memory can fade and it can get a little blurry and it can be a little off. But also it makes me wonder about like, was he like, had he done this to so many women that it was difficult for him to remember. And they do say like a lot of police and investigators and people involved in this case do not believe that these are the only four of his victims. I don't think so either. I don't think so. I don't either. I think he just decided there you go. I think he's a sick like, motherfucker. I will give you these four. Yeah, his brain is fucked up and he never needs to be let out of jail ever again. Yeah. I think that like he only gave information to those four is because they brought in the photos being like, we know you're prime suspect in these yeah. where like his other victims, he might not be a suspect. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. no one knows to ask yep. him. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you these four, but I'm not going to tell you anything else. Don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to talk about those. <laughs> sure. I just did four. I mean, it's I think, fine. I think she's buried here. But if you find somebody else's bones there, that's unrelated. <laughs> fuck off dude Um, rot so like I said the investigators do not believe William on what he is saying is happening when he kidnapped his victims Uh like you said he pretty much just didn't want to look like he wasn't the bad guy so whenever he was like in jail and whatnot he was respectful to the officers he did maintenance work in the friendship jail friendswood jail he, in a way, jail. thought that, like, friendship jail, <laughs> friends would jail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that reminds, what is it? Um, in Adam's family. Yeah. The one where Wednesday goes to, like, the camp. The camp. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't the cottage she gets banished to is, like, the friendship cottage yes, or something like that? Yes, that is that. the. The equivalent for prisoners. 
If you're really bad, you have to go to the friendship jail. <laughs> Friends would jail. And in a way, he thought that he had, like, a friendship with the officers. Gross. Like, it was weird. Something yeah, is wrong with gross. him. So everyone that kind of, like, had interactions with him and everything says he comes off very normal. And the type of guy you would hang out with, like, after work and get a beer. Ugh. Ugh. See? <laughs> Just can't trust men. Just can't fucking trust Just don't him. trust any man ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the takeaway here. Yeah. So in Texas, he was able to make deals to get the death penalty off of the table. But Oklahoma is not playing that fucking game. Okay, Oklahoma. In July 2016, friends would police turn William back over to Oklahoma to face charges in Tiffany's case. Mm-hmm. In September 2016, William was indicted in the for the murder of Laura Smither and Jessica Kane. Okay. Okay. So those are in Texas. Right. In 2017, he was indicted in Kelly's murder, and it would take five years for him to be indicted in Tiffany's case. Oh, why so long? So, Oklahoma went through six judges and five district attorneys before he could be brought to jail. Oh, shit. I mean, not to trial. Damn. And then COVID. Oh, yeah. Wait, what year was this? Um... It just says five years. I think it was like 2019. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. Sure. 2020. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. 2020, 2020, 2020. Jesus. <laughs> so during that time, though, that he was like waiting mm-hmm. before he'd be brought to trial. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. While he was in jail, he was in a trustee position in the medical floor. So he was like socializing with the inmates. He was like in and out of a cell. He had like little freedoms. I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't give a shit what he does behind bars as long as he stays there. He does not seem like he is a threat to other men. But here's the thing. Oh, oh, whatever. But here's the thing, though. The reason he doesn't want the death penalty Uh is because he can't handle being isolated away from people. So to me, his punishment should be isolation. Oh, interesting. And not being able to just be in a jail and being social. Interesting. My brain is like running. What my brain is running through now is I'm like, what is this disorder? Like, what is his problem? Like. He's a psychopath. He's a psych. Yeah, he's. Obvious. So. But usually the psychopaths don't care about interaction with other people. Interaction with other people is a tool. It's a tool to get what they want. Perhaps he's using it still, even still as a tool to get an easier experience in prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I think he knows how to, he's trying to play the system. Sure. Mm -hmm. I can see that. So finally, in May of 2021, a jury was selected and prosecutors announced that they would seek the death penalty. Ha ha. Um, Only because that's what this guy wanted. I'm not like super pro death penalty. I just don't want this guy to get anything that he wants. Yeah. The trial lasted three and a half weeks. And during the trial, William denied sexually assaulting Laura, Kelly, or Jessica. He only admitted admitted to sexual assault of Tiffany. But the evidence does show that he sexually assaulted all of them. (laughs) We got DNA now, bitch. So, yeah. So in Laura's case... 
Laura Smither, the 12-year-old. The baby. He claims when he left her baby, her baby, <laughs> thank you, her body, stop interrupting me, Joe. <laughs> he claims when he left her body, she was fully clothed. Lies. But remember, she was only found with just her socks on. He's full of shit. He's full of shit. Mm-hmm. So you want to hear what he said happened to Laura? Yeah. Yeah. Give it to me. Let me hear what this piece of human he garbage said, has to say. He said that he hit Laura by accident with his truck. And when he went down to like the ditch to check on her thinking she was dead. But instead she was crying and yelling. So he starts to panic and trying to get her to quit screaming. So he put his hand over her mouth. And because she was kind of like facing away from him. Oh, sure. So when, so when he turned her head around, he could feel her neck pop, and she went quiet. Uh huh, uh huh, yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. So he puts her in his, yeah. So he puts her in his truck and took her to the retention pond, and this is when he claims he then took, her, and then he claims he then took her clothes off and put her in the pond. Oh, okay. So like okay. He, he changes his story. Get the fuck out of here, you piece mm-hmm. of shit. So in Tiffany's case, he first said that Tiffany wanted to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Yep, of course. So he said that he was at the car wash and cleaning out his truck, cleaning his trailer, and he accidentally sprayed her. And he was like, oops, sorry. And he thought she had said something. And then they got like into an argument. And they somehow ended up in his trailer. And then she tried to have sex with him. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. This all makes sense to me, yeah. Chelsea. I don't I don't understand why this is confusing for anybody else. Yeah. And then he changed it to, oh, no, no, no. Like, I initiated it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he says, as he starts zipping up his pants, she hits him in the head with a horseshoe he had back there. And then he ended up wrapping a quarter around her neck and pulled it tight and mm. killed her. None of that makes sense. I mean, perhaps the how he killed her. Perhaps that is how she was strangled. Mm-hmm. But the rest, stop it. Stop it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like very, I, I couldn't imagine being the parents because like you want to know what happened to your child. I, yes. Right. Right. And he's not telling the truth. No. And because, you know, the bodies are dec- like, the DNA evidence wasn't there at the time. There's no way yeah. to ever tell exactly what happened to their child. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's the heartbreaking part. That is sucks. That yeah. They have to find their, yeah. So Oklahoma though, is one of the few States that allow the test of allow testifying and bringing in victims from other States during the guilty or innocent phase. So this means that there were other girls that testified in his trial that he raped and had ended up getting away there were mm-hmm. yes they brought in other victims from other states yes girls to be like yep way to fucking go proud of all of you don't know mm-hmm. who you are but proud of all of you yep so after the trial it took the jury an hour to come back with a verdict of guilty <laughs> an hour <laughs> yeah they're like <laughs> like they Do probably we, decided like in five minutes they're like everyone's probably, like sitting down we should probably stay a little longer right <laughs> longer right like this is a little like <laughs> like guilty guilty okay. okay all right so let's order lunch let's get lunch first yeah <laughs> let's just it's it's on the courthouse right like it's on their dime let's just get some pizza we'll eat the hang go. out for a yeah. second yeah yeah 
Um, so they recommended the death penalty, and in August 2021, he was sentenced to death. He has not faced trial in Texas as those charges are still pending. Okay. All right. He is on death row in Oklahoma. Texas is just like, y'all do, y'all put him down. We won't. We'll wait. <laughs> and there's like Laura's in the show. Laura's family did kind of say like, you know, we know he did it. He's never going to hurt anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to like, they're okay not having a trial. It seemed yeah, like they, they, yeah. they're at peace with that yeah. because they know they're not going to get any information from him. And, and they're they just going to have to relive it again. And they know he's locked up. Like he's not going to hurt anyone yeah. else. Yeah. But then like, um, Kelly, Kelly Cox, her family, they want him to be tried for her case in Texas. They want the guilty verdict. They want him to like be held accountable, be held accountable. So they're pushing for it. So it it does like, I mean, I want peace for all of them. And if that's what they need, I hope that they get it. But I also totally understand, Mm -hmm. especially post COVID when everything is so backed up. I do understand if the state of Texas is like Oklahoma has him. He's not going anywhere. Like we just don't have the resources. But I also do. I mean, I hope that they get peace. They deserve it. Mm -hmm. They deserve it. Mm hmm. And I I can't sit here and say that I wouldn't be the same way. Sure, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That I wouldn't be like, no, like I I want you to. And then they have to look at it because, like, I don't know. So, but Laura's parents did start the Laura Recovery Center, which is a nonprofit that helps with finding missing children and educating the public. Aww. And so, yeah, they are just beautiful, so wholesome people. The- Mm-hmm. And I love them. <laughs> they are. So that is the case of William. Well, that is the case of the serial killer, William Reese. May he rot. May he fucking rot. Rot in hell, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I do not it's care. just. I do not care. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't. It's insane to me. That's insane. Yeah. That is. And like, again, I just want to reiterate that. It probably happened to so many more women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, what is wrong? I think it did. I don't think those are the four. No, I don't think so either. I really don't. Mm-mm. I think he copped to him because he was like, all right, I got caught for these four, so let me just say yes. So He's don't... like, I got to make a deal, so yeah. they got me on these. I might as well just call it a day. Piece of shit. But, yeah. Yeah. And, like, people in the show, they did say they, like, they don't think this is going to be the last cases that he's going to get brought that come up and charges yeah i googled behind the bodies while we were talking and he didn't show up on behind the bodies so like i don't know where i've heard this story and maybe it's just very similar to another story about a trucker who would just rape and murder women down in texas because like you said there is that interstate that just he could. I think he's on the show, The Texas Killing Fields. That might. So maybe if you I ever saw watched that, that show. like a while ago or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. So. Well. But. What's your weekly win? I'm so excited about my new roof, but I don't want to. I don't want to use that as my weekly win for this week. I honestly think that my weekly win. <laughs> this. I don't even know if this. 
I don't even know if this counts. <laughs> but I went viral on Widow Talk, you guys. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. It was so exciting. I found all the widows on TikTok. I found them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hey. If that makes you happy, that's all that matters. Yeah, if you're a widow and you want to find me, it's Witchy Nanny. Um, or just hashtag widow talk. I've got tons of tons of videos up there. But yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> it was a big moment oh, for my yay. career. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you, she can die happy now. She's good. All right, what's yours? What's Her she, dreams are fulfilled. Just, it was a really exciting um, moment. <laughs> um I would say like a three day weekend. Hell yeah, I'm girl. Happy. Hell yeah. I'm going to, that's going to be my weekly win. It's not as exciting as going viral, but I mean. Only on Widow Talk, not on all of TikTok. I just went viral amongst the widows. All the widows have found me. (laughs) Well, that's all you need. I was thrilled. Listen, You just need one. You just need one little niche section. And then you just go from section niche to niche to niche. And then eventually. It's a Joe takeover. We're going to go full Joe universe. It's going to be a beautiful world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. Also, if you watch 90 Day Fiance and you listen to our podcast, can you please come and find us on a thousand true crimes podcast discussion group or a thousand true crimes pod and um, start a thread so that we can discuss it? Because shit got crazy these last couple episodes Mm-hmm. it's my trashy tv that i watch at the end of the day girl well my brain is like i can't handle life anymore have you been so watching the before watch other people's lives the before the 90 days mm-hmm. okay yeah the new season Wait, i don't even know which couple to start on Oh, that's a whole different podcast. Join us on our other podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. We don't have another podcast. Also, also welcome to all the new members on the Facebook discussion page, especially South Africa. Yeah. What's up? Hi. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> How is it over uh, there? It looks beautiful. <laughs> I It does. So I like look at some people's profiles and they're like, it's real, real pretty. Yeah, um, we should start. Let's do yeah, a welcome. sound off in our group of like, where's everybody from? Because, yeah, apparently, apparently y'all over there in South Africa, big fans. I'll, hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we should do some South African um, crime. Send us some good South yeah, African criminals that we can cover. Yeah, we'll definitely cover if you guys have. And you don't have to be from south africa but any cases you want us to cover absolutely yeah we've set the precedent we will cover any case you request any case Mm -hmm. all right you guys well i kind of plugged our housekeeping sneakily in there so i don't really have anything else to say to you guys other than stay safe get a dog lock your damn doors doors. including the one to the garage and Mm -hmm. don't go to a second location all right, that's it. <laughs> yep, done. There's your safety 101. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, we love you. We'll All talk right. to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.